Jeff, I believe you have some very passionate thoughts about Charleston shoes that you want to share today and discuss. But before we do that, I want to declare the fluffernutter as the most underrated sandwich in the world. Have you ever had a fluffernutter? I don't even know what a fluffernutter is. I think they're more popular on the East Coast, like kind of in New England, but it's a peanut butter and marshmallow cream sandwich. Or you can make it with Nutella and marshmallow cream. And some dude, but like a, a sandwich, like with like bread, it's not like a cookie. No, yeah, it's like instead of a PB and J, you have peanut butter and marshmallow cream. You I'm looking, make yourself a grilled fluffernutter, it's good stuff. I'm looking this up now, and this looks awful. Oh, they're wonderful. Everybody, if you've ever had a fluffernutter, you know, but and I, I, I don't, I, I can't, don't know. I don't know about this. Like maybe if it's in like French toast. Like that feels like something maybe I could wrap my head around. Yeah. You but just like, like Wonder Bread with marshmallow cream and peanut butter. I don't, I don't know. But I, don't I mean, know about that. I can't remember the last time I got Charleston shoes, but you're all aboard that Charleston shoe hype train. Listen, and I am not the only one who's on the Charleston shoe hype train. There are many, 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 many of us. I had people who were responding publicly about their affinity for. Uh, Charleston shoes. I had people DMing me and texting me in private about their love of Charleston shoes. Charleston shoes are spectacular, and and we need to have a discussion about the best form of Charleston shoe. Now, you're not yeah. a Charleston shoe guy, or it's just been a while since you've had them. I, like I enjoy them, but I don't. I didn't even know there were multiple forms of them. I thought, oh, you know, okay. I just, I've only, I think I've only had the OG Charleston shoe and maybe like a fun size one on Halloween. All right. Well, there are, there's the big bar that's like a bigger, it's longer, it's thicker Charleston shoe, like the traditional that you're used to, just bigger. There's the standard Charleston shoe that's just the stick of Charleston shoe. That's what everybody's used to. There's the Charleston shoe minis. I think these might be my favorite. They come in a box, like movie theater box candy. And they're just little small things about the size of a Tootsie Roll. Bite size. They don't they don't get as hard as a regular Charleston shoe. Like you don't have to gnaw on it quite as much to get it pulled off. Okay. So I, I like those. And then they have recently released the Charleston shoe rollers that are like little balls, like little bite-sized like whopper balls. size, like a whopper, but like Charleston even, shoe. Even smaller, like a raisinette size, like okay. really small. And they just come in a bag and you can just eat like seven of them at a time. And they're all good. Like they all have their merit. People will tell you to eat them frozen. I like it frozen, but I, I like a regular Charleston shoe better. I think that's the best. When you freeze them, it's kind of cool because like whatever that cream stuff, like the chewy stuff is, the nougat, I guess is what it is. It almost like pops in your mouth when they're frozen. It's kind of cool. But the regular Charleston shoe, I, I think my favorite, like if we're doing a Charleston shoe power rankings, I think my favorite is the, is the minis. It's out of a box because you don't have to get all messy. The one thing I don't like about a Charleston shoe in a bar is when you're like yanking off the big like bite, there's always like the little flakes of chocolate that fall. And that bothers me just enough that, that it bothers me. So I'm going to take that down just a notch. So I think that in my power rankings, you've got the Charleston shoe minis in a box. Number two, you have the, the standard strawberry Charleston shoe. I think that's the best one. And then followed closely behind is the regular Charleston shoe stick. And then the rollers come in fourth. And finally, the big bar. The big bar is just too big, but the big bar comes in last. That's my, my, my power rankings. I don't include the chocolate Charleston shoe on the power rankings at all. 
they're not bad. Like they're fine. But if I want chocolate on chocolate, I'm going to pick one of a billion other candy bars and right. feel fine. I didn't. Yeah, I need to go get me some Charleston chews, but I probably need to wait for I had a root canal emergency root canal today that was real fun so I probably need to wait for that to heal up before I start getting those because I think Charleston chew they can if you have a fresh filling that might just or one that's a little loose been in there for a while it just might rip that sucker out it's true it really could it's almost like a bit of honey and and what started the Charleston chew discussion was really a discussion on that uh, on on what the most underrated candies were and somebody mentioned bit of honey or bit of honey. I said of like a like a human. No, I gotta say it like a redneck. It's a bit of honey. I had a bit of honey once, and I actually did just that. I popped a filling right out of my tooth. And given what you went through today, I think that that would hurt extraordinarily bad for you. You had to you had to leave the country to get this this dental work done today. Uh, yes, I did. I So I live, it was from my house to where I parked my car. It was 21 now, miles exactly. Let's, let's, no, 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 no. Like, don't downplay it. You left the country because of the ailment that you were, that you were suffering. Yes. So I, yeah, so I live very close to the border and I, one of the border towns near me. Um, so is. Los Algodones, Baja, California, which is also known as Muller City, because in this town of, oh, let's see what the population is, uh, Los Algodones, BC, population of this city is 5,500 people. There are like something like six or 700 dentist offices. <laughs> and because there's a lot of people there that go and have like you know, mostly they target snowbirds. So the city itself actually does a big welcome back old people and goodbye old people, like huge public carnival event thing in like October when they all come down here. And then in like March when they go home um, after the winter's over. And so I needed an emergency appointment because I woke up while well, my tooth was hurting yesterday and I woke up at two o'clock in the morning and my face felt like it was going to explode. So I, you know, had been researching some people before and I said, I got to go get this taken done, taken care of, sent them a Facebook message, said, Hey, I need a root canal done today. Do you have any appointments? Someone off said, yeah, the office that I was looking at that people had recommended to me personally said, yes, we have an opening at 11 o'clock Arizona time. So I said, okay. So I go drive 21 miles to the, there's an Indian casino right on the border on the Quechuan reservation. The casino charges $6 for daily parking. So you just park your car, walk across the border into the little town. The I could see my car from the dentist office. That's how like just around the close close it was. And then I, you know, got my root canal. And then when they gave me a prescription, I go to the pharmacy, tell them what I need, gave me some, bought some drugs, uh, you know, some ibuprofen. Bought a, bought a brick of cocaine. <laughs> yeah. And then just walk across the border back and you know, U.S. Customs, check my passport. You can actually walk in. When you walk into Mexico, it's just like a turnstile. And there's no, there's not a, there's not a single like federal agent of any sort there. There's no passport control. They don't care. Just like, let you walk in. Just go. Yep. You just walk through the turnstile in and there's like, I mean, I mean, I'm sure there's people who had bad experiences there just because, I mean, it's like when you walk in, if you've ever been like in a touristy place where there's like people trying to sell you like on a tour, like, hey, you need this, come over here. I got this. Like, you, you know, trying to like, 
pedal stuff to you and they probably get a commission from different shops it's like if you go with one of those it's probably gonna like gonna have a bad time because they're just trying to do volume and get you in and out as quick as they can whatever but the um you know the people i talked to like there's some multiple people that um you know had recommended this office and they'd done good work and you know and liked them and so i was like well it's worth the risk to see it once and we'll figure out if it's ends up good and if not then i'll just a pain to have someone to redo it and but we i got taken care of and i feel much better now and that is my story of how i uh went to woke up this morning in very much pain and had to go to mexico to get it fixed what a world man what a world like if well, you let me show you if you like go to open up like google maps or something and just type in like dentist algodonis i don't even know how to spell algodonis i can put it in the chat here uh, dentist algodonis sorry for those of you who aren't interested in what we're no, when you look at google maps and you see how many pop up on here <laughs> oh gosh yeah i this is funny right across the border folks like you should all do this just for fun but right as you cross the border i've got one two three four five six uh, 20 almost well and that's just the ones that pop up because google will limit so literally every single building that you see is either a pharmacy an optometrist or a dentist every single that's one funny. or or a restaurant that is funny oh and there's the there's the casino well i guess the parking lot Yes, the Quechuan tribe border parking lot. Um, That's that, fun. That casino actually has like a six ninety nine breakfast buffet on the weekends. There you go. Well, so, if you're ever in Yuma, Arizona, guys, dude, hit me up. We can go. Give Garrett a call. Go get some dental work done. You'll enjoy it. You'll have a good time. The it was it was a good time. Um, but we do have a good show planned for today. Um, we. Jeff, did you did actually have one more rant of, uh, you know, you're well, a, a bit of a nerd. Just the PlayStation Five and I, I just it's more of a question, and it, I mean this can apply towards anything. But PlayStation Five, it was released this week, and they're sold out everywhere. Like we have waited for now seven years for the PlayStation Five. It has been seven years since the PlayStation Four was released. In seven years, I think it took Sony all seven years to make about 11 PlayStation 5s. Like, they're nowhere. Why, if you have a, a release that is seven years in the making, how on earth are you running out of supply? Like, seriously, I, I, I don't understand. How are you running out of supply? You, you know that this is being released. You've known forever that you are going to try and hurry and beat like Black Friday and get into that Christmas shopping rush. How on earth did they not make enough that they can sell like meat demand? They're not even close. It happens every time there's a new console. Like they just need, I don't know if it's just because they like, oh, we don't want leaks before it's ready. And so if we make a ton and have them sitting there, we don't want to do that. But it's, I mean, they know everyone's going to buy them. So they just need to ramp up well in advance, but it's with the PS5 and the, was it Xbox One X or whatever that they came out with? It's like yeah, they're having yeah, the same yeah. issue Microsoft. So I don't know. And it's, you still can't even buy a um, Nintendo Switch half the time. Anyway, they're still yeah, sold out. It's the, so, I, I don't understand it. So if you make a gaming console, like take some economics class 
is and, and maybe maybe a supply chain class to figure out what your production issues are i don't know but there is somebody who could you know make millions of dollars working for microsoft or sony or nintendo if all they did was just coordinate the production ahead of launches if that's all that they did they would they would increase sales a hundred times or just raise your price like it's because people are buying them for like fifteen hundred dollars on ebay so just why don't you, sony why don't you do that and say launch day price is more expensive because we will have limited supply Something. deal with it I, I i don't understand it i really don't um getting into some of our byu news can we talk about John Wilner? Did you see John Wilner's whiny, whiny this is, this ass is, tweet today? The I did not see it. That well, I I did. Was it the one where he was like, "Oh, Pac-12 news and BYU fans think it's all about BYU"? Yeah, yeah. So he quote. So somebody I didn't even see what the the, the tweet was. So here here's the premise. John Wilner breaks a story, which is a great scoop. Good scoop, John. They he breaks a story about the Pac-12 is now reverting back to being open to playing out of conference games. And I know that you have a lot to say about that. We'll get to that after we're done talking about John and somebody replies to him and says, well, what does this mean for BYU? Something to that extent, something about BYU. And he quote tweets it in just this pure, like condescending PAC 12 fashion and says, breaking BYU fans think PAC 12 news is about BYU. Like he's, he's doing it. Like, Really backhandedly, like he's trying to be a dick, is what he's trying to be. Can we say dick? Do we have know. to like you already said ass? So I don't know what we can and can't say. Like I, at some point we're gonna cross a barrier, and I'm afraid we would have to like put the explicit label on an episode. Yeah. I feel like they say they say I've heard dick on like network TV, so I think we're we're in okay territory. Anyway, he's just trying to be a dick. It's all that he like, he's just being a jerk, right? And if you pull up the profile of the, the person who asked the question about BYU, the only thing, literally the only thing in his bio is USC football fan. That's it. Wasn't even a BYU fan. Now, that's oh asinine, right? Like John Wilder, come on. Like your AP polls are a joke. Uh, and, and the way that he's got this, like, I don't buy into the notion that all of these people hate BYU. Like a lot of BYU fans feel like everybody's out to get them. I, I don't buy it, but John Wilner's got some weird thing. And I think it's weird. Uh, at any rate, he tweets that out today. I think that the question was fair and here's why. And our PAC 12 fans aren't going to love this. BYU is more relevant today than any PAC 12 team can possibly be this season. Except Period. maybe Oregon, if nope, th- including Oregon. I Oregon's Oregon's not going to get six games. Like I think we've seen in the Pac-12, they're going to have a game get canceled, and there's no way that they make it to the college football playoff if you don't even play six games. So That's I true. am here to say today that including Oregon, BYU is more relevant today than any Pac-12 team will be until the start of the 2021 season. So yeah, John Wilner, your Pac-12 news, the most interesting storyline is about BYU. It just it's, is. Because it's not just BYU fans are talking about playing the Pac-12. Like it's plenty of 
it's a national ton. Colorado, Colorado State saying, might play. Yeah, right. There's a it's, ton. It's not just BYU, and it's there's a limited number of options for Pac-12 teams playing, you know, and there is I very much a non-zero chance that Utah again doesn't get to play this week because California like may not let USC travel to Salt Lake or say may they may say you have to quarantine for 14 days after you get back and USC says oh sorry we're not gonna do that we'd rather miss one game instead of missing two like we're not gonna go play a road game and trade that for our next two games right you know and so it's they're at the mercy of things and it was really stupid like most things that the Pac-12 has done by waiting for the Big Ten to decide what they were going to do and publicly saying that whatever that they are like no we're not going to do any conference non-conference games but now they're half their last three weeks have been canceled they're saying oh well actually maybe we will do some non-conference games otherwise we're not going to have anybody to play because you know what anyone left like it's do you know what my favorite part about I mean I have a lot of opinions and I'm going to share them with you, but so far my favorite part about really everything that the PAC 12 has done is we're recording this show on November 18th, November 18th, right? The pheasant hunt is nearly over in the state of Utah. Like Thanksgiving is next week, November 18th. Kyle Whittingham has still not revealed who his starting quarterback is going to be because he wants that intrigue and the mystery so that nobody can prepare for either one of his quarterbacks for his season opener. And they can say that, but I think 99 times out of a hundred, when a coach says that it's because someone hasn't separated themselves. Sure. And when you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. And then that, that, that could be perfectly reasonable. I just think it's, I think it's funny that it's like the preseason shenanigans that typically you, you see throughout August. Here we are November 18th. And Kyle Whittingham still won't publicly name his starting quarterback. He's supposed to have already had two games. Like theoretically his starting quarterback should have played two full games already, but he still won't name them. Just come on, just name your quarterback. I I, I think that the PAC 12, we knew it was dumb when they announced that they were going to come back and that they were going to wait until November because for all of the things we did not know, like we as the collective we as a society uh, for all of the things we did not know about COVID-19 everybody seemed to universally agree that once the temperatures got cooler and flu season got more prevalent like I guess flu season happened your immune system drops because you get cooped up inside all day and and COVID and COVID was going to grow right like that's why Major League Baseball had a huge rush to we will not play past October Yep. So the World Series has to be done before Halloween. Huge rush to get it done, right? And, and and a lot of teams knew that. I think that's why Tom Holmo scheduled BYU. Maybe maybe a little bit different. Like maybe there's more more reasons than just this. But I think it was a big reason why Tom Holmo made BYU schedule the way that he did. Load up as much as you can in September, October, because you don't know what November is going to look like. It might be that the whole season gets shut down because teams are getting canceled or games are getting canceled and teams are having outbreaks every week that we may get to mid December. And they all just say, you know what, guys, this is nuts. Uh, the top four teams, we're going to have the playoff right now. Everybody else, you're done. Like that's, that's possible, not likely, but it's possible. And so good for Tom Holmo for ramping up and playing in September and October before everything got really bad. What I think is maybe the most, I don't know. It's, it's the most 
head scratching that I, I just can't wrap my head around the logic. The Pac-12, almost in a condescending fashion, announced that they weren't going to play football this year. And I remember the reporters and the reporters of the Pac-12, I remember seeing tweets and headlines and th- I vividly remember seeing things that, oh, the Pac-12 is going to shut down. And I promise that if the other conference commissioners see what the Pac-12 did, they'll shut down too. And then the other conferences didn't, right? Like the other conferences agreed to play. So it was almost like they were talking down as, you know, they're, they're the elite education, whatever. And they're talking down to everybody else, just the rednecks down in the South who want to play football. And they said that they were going to bank on the science. Well, I don't know. A few paychecks were missed. A few layoffs happened. The science didn't really change. And they agreed, okay, we're going to come back. We're going to come back and play, but we're going to wait until November. The Mountain West Conference figured out. The Mountain West Conference with schools in Albuquerque and Laramie and Fort Collins and Logan and Boise, those schools figured out how to come back and play three weeks before the Pac-12 did. And they came back and played. The Pac-12 was the last to start. And in all of their wisdom, in all of the elite education wisdom that they came up with, we're talking UCLA, we're talking Stanford, we're talking Berkeley, we're talking the premier education of the West. They came up with this idea that they were going to play six games in six weeks. Asinine. And, and it's like not. it was stupid from the beginning. We all do. Well, and you could see as soon as they, I mean, you two weeks into the season, you see, oh, hmm, pretty much every school in the country has had every almost every school in the country has had at least one game canceled. I wonder if that could happen to us. Hmm, guess what? Right. It's just so crazy. So here we are now, November 18th. Utah still hasn't played. Oregon's played twice. Like they're all sorts of out of whack. They're now coming back to agreeing to play non-conference games. So even the very notion of we're not going to play because we can't control what other schools are doing from a testing standpoint or a quarantine standpoint. That's out the window now. Like now they're considering playing out of conference. So, so everything that they said and everything that they talked down to all of everybody else about over the course of months, they're just doing the same thing now. And we're not talking about that enough as a college football landscape, that they have totally just caved on everything. And here's the caveat. COVID is not better. COVID is worse. Like everybody agrees, COVID is worse. Whether you think the virus is a is a hoax, whether you think the virus is as severe as the media thinks it is, or whether you think it's the scariest thing in the world, everybody universally agrees there is more COVID and more impact and more, more spread today than there was three months ago. Yeah. So at the time that the Pac-12 made all of these decisions, the only thing that I can see that has tangibly changed is they got daily rapid tests. Well, BYU was doing three, four times a week at the very beginning. So we're talking two to three tests a week. That's all that's changed. And yet here they are. They have now thrown away all the things that they were telling us. They were telling the South. They were telling us as BYU fans. They were telling everybody how irresponsible we were being for wanting to play football in the midst of this pandemic. The only thing that has tangibly changed is two to three tests a week. Right? I mean, what am I missing? I don't know, because I've seen some of the players, because there was like the Pac-12, like they had their movement, which, I mean, I get that they wanted player safety and the players want that, but then they were asking for 50% of the TV revenue, and it was like ridiculous things that obviously were not going to happen. But, you know, going after all of that stuff and like 
you know, there's players who were leading that charge of like, we need player safety. We're not going to play unless it's safe. Now they got all those things that they wanted. And now they're saying like, screw this. I don't want this. Like, I want to play. This is a mess that we can't, you know, we should be playing next week, blah, 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 blah. And it's, so it's funny that like when the rubber meets the road, people change their tune really quick and being on a high horse doesn't usually people who are on high horses don't usually stay up there for too long, but that, yeah, that was I, a very, I think that's, that's that was really a very excellent rant about the pack 12. And I mean, I think we talked about this last week in terms of scheduling, like playing a G five team does nothing. Maybe unless it's Cincinnati. Yes. But otherwise it does nothing like whether like you go beat Marshall doesn't mean anything. Yes. Marshall is ranked number 16 or 15 coastal Carolina's 15 Marshall's 16. It might do some people say, Oh, it'll be a top 25 win. We go beat Marshall. We will be, ex- we would be 20 plus point favorites. We would expect it to blow them out. And as soon as we blow them out, people will say, Oh, yeah, Marshall's not that good. They were only there because they well, were undefeated, yeah, and right. they made, then they're not top twenty-five anymore. And it does nothing for like there is no five team that can do anything for you other than give you more game reps and keep you fresh for San Diego State. That's the only hundred percent. That is your logic. That's fine. That like I agree that it would probably make sense to go play you beat up on Utah State for fun, like you know just to. I mean, eh, maybe not. We don't want to kick them when they're down because they got some <laughs> big problems up there. Yikes. But, you know, like that makes sense. But trying to say, oh, if we schedule this team, it's going to get us in the playoff. Like that's not happening, right? It's like, not going to happen. The best parallel that I could think of is Ohio State and Indiana this week. Like it's a top 10 matchup. Indiana is ranked number nine in the country. Two undefeated Big Ten teams. Indiana is a three score dog in a top 10 game. A 20, what, 21, 20 and a half point underdog right now? Yep. In a top 10 game. If, if somehow Indiana wins, that will be the first time that anybody takes Indiana seriously. They're ranked number nine in the country. If they lose to Ohio State, when they lose to Ohio State, and certainly if Ohio State covers, they will drop down to 20 pretty quickly. And then if they lose again, they will not be ranked again the rest of the year. Like it's that kind of not on that same scale, obviously. Like BYU is not Ohio State, but relative to Coastal Carolina, yeah, BYU is a lot closer to Ohio State than how do, how do you say this? BYU is closer to Ohio State, or is as close to Ohio State as Coastal is to Indiana in terms right. of national respect, right? Right. So, so the, that's just what's going to happen. So looking at S and P plus. Um, we I'm looking at it and looking at this Marshall uh, team in coastal Carolina. So Marshall is a, so BYU's current rating SP plus is a 19.2 Marshall is a 9.5. So that means on a neutral field, BYU would be a 10 point favorite over Marshall roughly and coastal is a 6.6. So they'd say BYU would be almost a 14 point favorite over coastal on a neutral field. That's, you know, it's, they are higher. And then if you Liberty who is? Oh, where'd they go? Well, and plug in, plug in. I mean, really, the number that I care about is plug in, like BYU. What would on a neutral field? What is the spread for BYU Tennessee? Like okay. Tennessee is not a very good team this year. I think they're like two and four or something like that on the year, and they're in the midst of a terrible skid. What would the spread be in that game? Eighteen. So a two and four crappy Tennessee team 
is a pretty similar spread to a top 15 coastal team. Like that's, that's how little coastal Carolina's undefeated record means nationally. Well, it it, it means nothing. Right. And it's, and people I've seen people legitimately try to say too, that Liberty has a stronger resume because they've beaten two P five teams in Syracuse and uh, Virginia tech, which one they lost magnificently to Virginia tech into it's like they didn't their games they're not blowing teams out right like they are winning game they're eking by teams it's like we had the UTSA game where we kind of stumbled through it and almost like and played pretty sloppy but it was still the scoreboard was a lot closer than the actual game and that was that was one game out of in seven others where we've been completely dominant and but Liberty like five out of their eight games, six out of their eight games have been squeakers, right? Like, and they, and so including like, and they've played a couple FCS teams. So it's like, they don't, the resume is not there. Like it's BYU and it just isn't there. And and they don't have the name, have the resume and they have the name recognition of, you know, Cincinnati, if you think about it is probably honestly, Cincinnati is a reviewed play in 2009 away from probably being in the ACC instead of Louisville. When do you think it really Louis is true. because of the when they were in the Big East, they were ranked number three, and Texas played Nebraska in the Big Twelve championship game, and they reviewed the play, and Mac Brown said no review the play, and they put one second left on the clock, and it let Texas come back out and kick a game winning field goal, and then they ended up playing Bama in the national championship game. And had Texas lost, Cincinnati would have played. Well, they ended up you know they had back to back. Big East championships, New Year's six bursts, top five finishes. And they would have, one of those would have been a BCS championship game appearance. And they probably get invited to the ACC along with Louisville, or maybe like instead of Pitt or, you know, a lot of the other alignment that happened, things could be very different because of one review that happened in that era. And, you know, people still, especially voters who are very plugged into college football, still remember that and still respect the Brian Kelly era of Cincinnati football. Yep, 100%. I mean, Cincinnati is. They have that name recognition. They were a P5 team not that long ago when the Big East was still considered an AQ conference. Liberty does not have name recognition. Like BYU could beat uh, Arkansas, and it would do more for their reputation than beating an undefeated Liberty. I, I know that BYU fans don't want to admit that, but that's the reality of the situation. So bringing this back to the Pac-12, The question has been asked, if BYU has the opportunity to play a Pac-12 team, notably Utah, that's been the team that has been floated out for obvious reasons, should they do it? If it's Utah, I am of the opinion, absolutely, yes, you have to. I am of the opinion that the Utah should play BYU every year. Absolutely, yes, they have to. I think Whittingham won't let that happen. I agree. I don't think he will because why would he play in this year that he's going to have half a team and maybe lose and lose the streak? I don't think he'll do it, but I am of the opinion that those two teams should play each other every year. And if BYU really thinks they have one of their all-time best teams, how can you have one of your all-time best teams if you're going out of your way to duck your rival? Absolutely not. I don't think BYU needs to bend over backwards in an effort to make this game happen, but if the opportunity is there to play Utah over Thanksgiving weekend, uh, they have to, they have to say yes. And you better hope you win. And if you do win, you kind of cement yourself into a new year six game, at least 
If you don't, well, then you weren't that good. And maybe it's a good thing you're not going to the New Year's Six because you would have gone and played a team from a Power Five conference and been stomped on national TV in front of everybody. So maybe it's a good thing. Now, if there is a question of should BYU play Colorado, I'm still of the opinion, yes, they should. But I think that's a much more reasonable argument if it's, yeah, should BYU play Oregon State? I don't know. I'm not afraid of losing to Oregon State. I'd be more afraid of injuries against Oregon State. So is a win against Oregon State going to be what solidifies a playoff berth? Absolutely not. Is it really going to change the profile very much for BYU? No, I don't think so. Maybe a little bit, but not really. I, I still think probably you have to take that game because if you don't, then you're ducking a power five opponent and that doesn't look good. But I think that if it's Utah, it's an absolute yes, no matter what, if it's one of the lower tier uh, PAC 12 schools, I think there is a perfectly reasonable argument against, um, against playing that game. Yeah. It has to be something that will elevate the resume and keep things out. And really, I mean, the week that would be targeted, um, you know, really, there's two weeks. Obviously, the rankings come out. First rankings come out next Tuesday, 24th. BYU can see where they're at. And if they're seventh, then they don't need to add another game, right? Because everyone else is having games canceled left and right. They just need to go take care of business against San Diego State, and that'll be it. If they are 13th or 14th, then that changes things, and you need to scramble to either find a short-notice game or really the targeted date would be the 12-5 week before San Diego State. I don't think we will get two games added. Um, we may get one but it's not going to be two. Um, yep, and I think I a lot of it will depend on what happens next week um, and what kind of pops out. Um, I, I agree with that. The other, I mean, BYU does play a game this week. <laughs> We're talking about potentially playing in the new year six about potentially playing a PAC 12 team. Well, the reality is that BYU is playing North Alabama this week. And I got to tell you, even coming off a bye, typically when, when there's a bye week and it's the first game post-bye, I'm like itching for football. Like I, I want to see the Cougars back. On a scale of one to seven, maybe a two. That's where my excitement level to watch BYU v. North Alabama sits. I'm just not that excited. I think the number of games will – it sucks that SMU Houston got canceled because I was going to have that could have possibly had some implications on who Cincinnati was going to play in the AAC championship game. Um, but it's that I think the game I'm probably most looking forward to this week is the Cincinnati UCF game. And so a lot of people ask because it's, you know, ESPN has put up graphics of like chances to, you know, be in the playoff. And a lot of people were like, how is it possible that BYU's chances are higher than Cincinnati when Cincinnati's ranked higher? It's that's because Cincinnati is going to have to play UCF. Tulsa, who's already beat SMU and UCF and is ranked in the top 25, and then probably have to play one of those two teams again in the American Conference Championship game. So the Cincinnati has three tough games left, and they have played, they are 8-0, and they have played seven, or they're 7-0 and have played six home games, or 8-0 and have played seven home games, whatever it is. They've all, all but one of their games so far have been at home. And they play UCF on the road and they play Tulsa on the road. Um, and so they, 
and then they'll probably they'll get the championship game at home because of the higher seed. So it's but they'd still have two tough road games that they have to go play. And so that is why, you know, the odds are that, you know, BYU is already close to done with their schedule, just got San Diego State left and Cincinnati has three games left to do. And so there's three games left. There's more likely chance that you're going to lose. Um, but yeah, so but we're, we're all Knights fans this week. Yes. Not that, not that Cincinnati has any bearing on where BYU will actually go. Like even if they lose, BYU still can't take the G5, you know, like them Cincinnati being ranked ahead of BYU really only matters for the playoff. Right. That's it. And if the playoff, if you're like me and the playoff is a pipe dream at best, then it really doesn't matter where Cincinnati's ranked. But in the name of being the highest ranked on P5, we are all UCF fans this weekend. Yes, so go are. Knights. Uh, what do they say? They have a saying. I don't know what it is. Go Knights. Go Knights. Black goes. And gold. Oh, go Knights. Uh, the, who, who's, who's the coach there? I don't even remember. Josh, Josh Heupel. Heupel. Former yeah, Utah State Heupel. offensive coordinator, Josh Heupel. Uh, Utah State. How have we not talked about Utah State? Like, our listeners know of of our disdain i i i we I'm wouldn't talk you. we wouldn't talk about them if it wasn't for their athletic director making a public statement that part of the reason they fired gary anderson is because of the success that byu was having this year right and he said everyone he said it's got it's about keeping up everyone in the mountain west is upgrading their facilities and doing and performing at a higher level and so we have to compete which Okay, that makes sense, but it's when you're playing a conference schedule like that, people have to lose games. Like it's there, it's a zero sum game because half the teams are going to win and half the teams are going to lose. So that doesn't really matter. Two, Utah State, you're not going anywhere. There's no like you're never even getting invited to the American. The Mountain West is your peak destination as a program. So you losing for a few years, then figuring it out doesn't really hurt you at all. It's not like you're going to miss a window for conference expansion again. And lastly, what's the most shocking is BYU is not in your conference. Like I get it. That's their primary rival. Like I understand, but BYU is not in their conference. BYU is not on their schedule, but because BYU is having a successful season, their athletic director, John Hartwell comes out and he says, it's hard not to look at what's going on in Provo and feel like we have fallen behind two years ago. We went there and we stomped BYU, and now they're in the top 10 and we're not. Listen, Brother Hartwell, that 2018 team was only slightly better than the 2017 team, and the 2017 team was atrocious. You beat a BYU team in 2018 that a true freshman quarterback won the starting job, and you you beat the quarterback who didn't get that like who got beat out they beat tanner mangum and so they didn't beat a good byu team first of all second of all for 40 years you never beat byu like it just seems strange it it feels like the ultimate scenario that my neighbor my neighbor just bought a brand new truck it's brand new it's like a 2020 it's an f-250 he pulls a big trailer with it. I live in a little, like a, it's almost like a starter home type neighborhood. And so his giant new truck and his fancy stuff that he pulls with it doesn't really fit in to where I live, but he's got it and it's awesome. And I want it real bad. We're approximately the same age. We have the same number of children. We 
probably make roughly the same amount of money. Um, it's the equivalent of me looking over and being like, whoa, Tony's got this big brand new truck. I guess I better go buy one because I can't allow Tony to have success. Like that is what Utah State is doing. They are looking at their older, more developed neighbor in BYU and say, well, BYU's in the top 10, so I guess I should. It's It doesn't make sense. And that's, I mean, if they want to compare what everyone else is doing in their conference, like teams in their conference are not like going crazy, right? Like, okay, well, I'll take that back. No one would have expected San Jose State to be 4-0 and favored against Fresno State on the road. That is very bizarre in peak 2020, but it's like, it's still that conference is still it's Boise and San Diego state are the class of the mountain West. And there's kind of a rotating door for who's like kind of the third best team, but it's, those are have been since realignment, they were two most consistent programs. And it's probably now that Rocky long is not at San Diego state and it's back to Brady Hope. They're probably going to slide back down and it's going to stay Boise state. And, you know, and, as long as Harson is there, they're going to still be the top, you know, dog in the mountain West. And so it's not, you know, nothing is going to change. Um, and so it's kind of interesting to me that that's there. It seemed very strange and is very weird to bring up and a completely irrelevant team um, as part of a reason for firing a coach, but that's, you know, it is what it is. Um, the NBA draft has now concluded. Um, the second round is over. Yoli Childs was not drafted. The uh, final pick of the draft by the Pelicans was Utah State guard Sam Merrill, who Sam Merrill is a baller. Like that kid can play. So that was good for him. Uh, congratulations. So I wonder where do you think he, you know, where do you think he's going to slide into? Because obviously Yoli Childs is going to get a chance. Um, it's a good question. I think he, I don't know. I, I think he probably, there's more money for him to be made as in Europe. I think that's where he should go. I would imagine he signs a two-way contract and he bounces back and forth between the G League and whichever NBA team is contracted with that G League team. Um, but I, if I was him, I look long and hard at Europe because look, man, like, money is green and no matter what side of the world you're in and a player with his athleticism and his skill set, I think could make a lot of money over there in Europe. I get it. The NBA is the dream. Uh, but I look at a guy like Kyle Collinsworth, like Kyle Collinsworth tried to make the NBA work for how long, like three, four years. And he had a, you know, he had a decent sniff for a year. I think he was on a roster for probably a season and a half in total. And that's great. But I, I think ultimately, um, I, I, I think Europe is the way to go. Anyway, two way two way contract though. That's my Yeah, I, I think he probably will sign that two way contract and you know he'll get some time and hopefully get some run. And I mean if he definitely has the talent um in the way he was playing at the end of the season. So I think you know he will be totally fine. But I mean, so Kyle Collinsworth with his collective, you know, earnings over the two years that he was in the NBA, he's still walked away with $450,000. So he's not that upset. Uh, you know, there's worse things that could happen and he will live a good life. But so I, I think he'll definitely get a shot. Um, Brandon Davies got a shout out during the draft. 
Um, cause someone, who, yes. So someone who's on his team in Spain was drafted and they were talking about how he had come from a good locker room that had a lot of NBA talent, including, you know, and they mentioned Brandon Davies as former Sixers, Brandon Davies. Um, so, you know, so I expect Yoli, like he will get an invite to camp. He will, you know, he's going to go, I guess it's going to be, what are they doing? Cause there's no summer league. Right. So whatever they're doing for that, he'll get a workout, he'll get a shot and we'll see. There's a good chance he ends up in Europe and, but he may come back in another year or two, you know, as he develops a little bit more. Um, so we'll, you know, we'll keep it posted if, you know, as soon as that happens, obviously. Um, but we did at some point also, we were talking about North Alabama as the game we were playing just a quick blip before we jump into recruiting. Um, so they are a very new FCS program. So their first FBS season was in 2018, but they have won three, they won three division two national titles, um, 12 out of their last 15 years in division two, they finished in the top 25. Um, about half of those were in the top 10. Um, and they have a couple P guys who bounced down there from P five schools, but they, you know, haven't done a whole lot and they seem their games have been, they've played three games, um, against Southern Miss, Liberty, and Jacksonville State. Um, they've been low scoring in all of them. Their offense is not very good. Obviously, BYU is by far the best offense that they have faced. So I expect the Cougars to come out, take care of business, and it will look, you know, my biggest hope is that we get to see Conover in the fourth quarter. I want to see Baylor Romney in the third, Conover in the fourth, get a little preview of what the quarterback battle next year is going to be. Wilson shouldn't be done, like the starter should be done at halftime. And just go in, take care of business, and be done with it. They seems like they do play better defense than they do on offense, but their offense is not good. In three games, they have a net of like 148 rushing yards as a team. So that, that yeah, kind of they're, they're averaging they're 1. Just, 8, they're averaging 1.8 yards carry through three games. So that's not ideal. Um, they're just not a good team. Like I'm not gonna try to spin it in any other way like this game the the only thing i disagree with what you said garrett is i think the way i look at this game byu is paying north alabama to come to provo and so in a way it's like they're hiring north alabama right they're paying them to come and i think that they should to you know kind of tell the team that they have hired and say, hey, guys, I'm really sorry. Uh, I did not expect us to be in the situation that we are currently in, but we need style points. And playing a team like yourself, North Alabama, Mr. FCS School, is not going to help us grow and reach this goal that suddenly we have that we did not know would be attainable this year. So as part of your other duties is assigned, you know, that's in most every job description ever. We're going to include that, that you have to play our starters for 60 minutes and we're going to keep our playbook open and we're going to just go because in order to make noise, when you're playing an FCS team, you have to do something that doesn't get done against FCS schools. Well, there are 56 to nothing wins all the time against FCS schools. So the way I see it, the only way that BYU can make any noise this week playing North Alabama is they have to score 70 points. And even that, I don't know. They have to maybe score 80 points, but they have to score 70 points. Like that should be the objective. 
And I would hope that whether it be Tom or Kalani or, or whomever else, I would hope that they call North Alabama and maybe North Alabama can use it as locker room material and feel disrespected. That's fine. But just give them a heads up and say, hey, look, we're not pulling our starters. Like, we got to go all out. Sorry. That's yeah. my thought. We are hiring them. We, as BYU, are hiring North Alabama to just get throttled on the football field on Saturday. Yeah. I mean, it's – I don't know how I feel about that because my normal thoughts with that is in a conference game or in a similarly – matched non-conference game like if it's a p5 versus p5 non-conference game or any g5 versus g5 game there's no running up the score like that is you are comparable programs you are near each other you should just play better like sorry don't cry about it right like if if 10 if alabama beats tennessee 100 to 0 you're friggin' tennessee just play better i don't feel bad for you <laughs> right like you know yeah. but, if, but if alabama you know is playing the citadel and beats them 100 to 0 eh, it's a little you know a little tackier right so it's i, I think it. i i understand the situation and you know i would just say hey we're going to beat you and it will throw in an extra 100 grand if you let us get to 70 <laughs> <laughs> whatever whatever it takes like i i really hope to see the starters and then on, on the other the other side of that conversation is that uh is not gonna play like they might add another game but there's a there's two weeks that they're not gonna play i i don't think this is a game that byu can afford to only play the starters for half the game like they're gonna have to play them keep them fresh because otherwise you're not playing for nearly a month it feels like well it's five weeks. december 12th Right. right. It's five weeks. And so it's, you know, it is a month. And so, it, yeah, it's, it's more than a month. And so you do, you know, that you do need to get reps for guys as much as they can. I know Klein talked about, they don't get another game added that they'll do some type of scrimmage, but you know, it, it not has the same. To, yeah. It's, it's not the same. And so they do need to get that other game added or, you know, schedule Utah state for another FCS scrimmage. Um, the, we do have recruiting updates though. Um, there were two offers that went out. Uh, one to Bryson Reeves, who is a defensive back. I'm just kind of been flying under the radar. You kind of been dropping hints about him potentially getting offer that he was, you know, coming and he was on the radar. He fits the mold of a um, Malik Moore or Chris Wilcox or D'Angelo Mandel type of being a guy who's a big frame and is fast. And they think they can work into a defensive back, which the staff has proven that they're very good at taking and molding. And the second one is Sione Hingano, who is a def- offensive lineman um, from Chandler High School. So obviously he played there with Jacob Conover and got a Romney. Um, he, same high school. And who, we signed a defensive tackle from Chandler last year as well. Sitaligi uh, Havea. Yeah, Sitaligi Havea. Um, so they, you know, so he was there. He is LDS, um, you know, played he. He was in a case where as a junior, he just didn't have it put together and he had a big growth spur. And if... Arizona had gone, done what California did, where California canceled their fall season. He would not have an offer right now, but he got five games on film, put his senior highlights up and offers started coming in, you know, within a week of him getting his name out there because he grew a lot. He put in the work, he did what he needed to do, and he showed a lot of athleticism and strength. And so I think he's a good tackle prospect um, and, you know, he can do some things and he hasn't, um, you know, gotten a rating yet on um he did he got it today oh he got an 82 that's right he did go but we did have some jumps so obviously john henry daly who we've 
you know, been talking about all year. We love, love, love his game. He's got finished the year with um, 22 sacks and 38 tackles for loss on the season, which are absolutely insane gaudy numbers. Um, he got bumped from an 83 to an 87, which is very high on the um, threes. That's about, about close as high as you can get as a three-star. He's a very good prospect and he will be a very good player. And I think it's, we both have, we have crystal balls in that we expect him to go to BYU. Raider Damuni has been committed to BYU. Obviously Jack Damuni's son and his cousin Jovesa is also a commit in this year's class. He got bumped up a little bit from 88 to 89. And the big one, Jackson Dart going from 89 to a 92 and getting bumped up to a four star who, so he went from going into his senior year, not having BYU was his only FBS offer. Or BYU and Louisiana were his only FBS offers. Um, and he was unrated on 24-7 to now he is a top 200 player in the country and he is a four-star prospect and he could, you know, pretty much any school he wanted. He's got offers from top three or probably BYU, USC, and Arizona State. Um, it will be one of those. It's changing on the day, but he has put up insane numbers. So even he has sat out collectively sat out three of the 13 games that they've played in because he hasn't played in the third and fourth quarters. He has missed three entire games and he still has over a thousand yards rushing 5,300 yards passing and 74 total touchdowns. And it's that's insane. That's in 10 games worth of work. It's insane. Um, I love Jackson dart and I'm going to take this opportunity to once again, remind everybody that I was right. I have been a Jackson Dart fan since he was at Roy High School. He's a Davis County guy. I'm a Davis County guy. There are not enough love. There's not enough love that goes around for Davis County guys. He lived in Kaysville. Like he was originally a Davis dude. That was where he was going to go. Davis High School, home of Troy Hines, home of Nick Martineau, Jesse Wade. Like that's that's the school he was. I guess he lived within those boundaries. Ended up going to Roy High School. Brian Korea also from Davis High, I believe. Oh, is he? I thought yeah. he was a Northridge guy. No, I'm pretty sure he was Davis. Maybe he is. Uh, anyway, so he's a Davis County guy. Goes and he plays at Roy, which is in Weber County. Plays at Roy under a, a great head coach, Freddie Fernandez. And then he transfers for this year to Corner Canyon. And it seems like everybody now, like the people who watched him in the first game at Corner Canyon and are like, oh, man, like I was on the Jackson Dart bandwagon before anybody else. I saw him play against uh farmington and his first game no folks you weren't i have been on the jackson dart bandwagon for a long 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 time all he needed was the platform to get him noticed and that's what corner canyon brought him and now i am happy very very happy that he has received the recognition that he has so deserved for so long he is great if BYU gets him, awesome. If they don't, uh, they're going to be okay at the quarterback spot. Jake Conover, he is great. Jaron Hall's still around. Baylor Romney's still around. Soljay Mayava has done some good things in practice. So BYU would be fine with uh, without Jackson Dart. But if you can add a player like Jackson Dart, I don't care who's in your quarterback room, that elevates the entire room. Like He is a special player. Um as far as ratings jumps, John Henry Daly is another one, man. That big jump from 83 to 87, making him a very solid, high three-star prospect. That's a big deal. Like, that's a that's a big jump. 
Uh, I was playing around with some numbers in the 24-7 sports class calculator today. Uh, even at the worst case scenario, if the class plays out, there, there, there's really like four guys that I, I'm not 100% sure on. Uh, the, the other guys, like I, I think BYU will add, I can name probably four or five guys that I'm almost 100% confident they will sign. And then there's three or four other ones that I could go either way. If they get all of those guys, that puts their class at 17, 18 players, which is probably as high as it's going to get, maybe 19 if they really stretch it out. If they get all of those players, then this class, the per, I guess the per recruit star rating based on our 24-7 sports ratings, not the composite ratings, is, what did I tell you it was, like 84.7, like yeah. mid-84s, a very solid number. The worst case scenario, if 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 those 50-50 guys go somewhere else, the worst case scenario is an 83.3. In either case, that is a higher per recruit rating than BYU had last year, the year before, 2016. It is, in fact, the highest rating, I believe, since 2014 when BYU signed guys like Fred Warner, Sione Takitaki. Uh, that was a very, very good class. So – this, I mean, the, the the overall national ranking for this class is going to be low. It's going to be very low because of volume, because of volume, and people just you've got to understand that that's the way that the system works, uh, and, and frankly, it's the way that the system should work. Uh, most teams aren't dealing with what BYU deals with in terms of of missionaries and things like that. So yeah, most teams you should sign. Um, a full class every year. And if you're not, then there's, there's reason to be concerned. But BYU is a little bit of an anomaly there. So they're going to have a small class. It's just what's going to happen. So get, be prepared to be ranked in the nineties at best. Um, It's going to be a good class. Like these players are going to be impactful and it has the potential to be a very, very good class. You know what? I'm going back and looking at the the ratings. I think that 83.33. So the worst case scenario is the highest since 2010. So since the class with Jake Keeps, Ross Oppo, Bronson Kafusi, I mean, this class is very, very good. It isn't super sexy, right? Like it doesn't have that five-star Jake Keeps up at the top of things. But this class is very, very good. If they are able to land a player like Jackson Dart, if they're able to land Logan Fano, this class is great. This class has everything that you want. It has the four stars. It has the depth. It has the impact players. I love this recruiting class. I, and, and I, I'm, I'm very, very excited about it. Um, we got a question asked about recruiting earlier this week. When does recruiting start to pick up steam? Now, now is when it starts to, to pick up steam as high school season starts to wrap up the way that the, the, the typical recruiting cycle usually works is you have a flurry of commitments and activity in the spring when kids are able to make unofficial visits that didn't happen this year, but you still saw some of the same activity. And then it's kind of quiet throughout the summer uh, until right before the season starts. And then you get a little bit more of a flurry of activity right before the season starts because players want to get it done before their season is wrapped up or sorry, before their season starts. And then it's pretty much quiet for the duration of the season And then at the end of the season, when high school's wrapped up, those kids who have not yet committed go back to focusing on recruiting. And that is when they start to to make commitments, 
flip commitments, new offers go out. So really it's now Utah, the state of Utah plays their state championship games on Friday. And I think we're going to see a pretty big announcement from some of BYU's bigger commitment or bigger recruits on Saturday. I mean, I think it'll happen that quickly. So uh, as when does it start picking up steam? It's now. It is going to be a funny year. The dead period was extended until April 15th now. So it sucks for the class of 2021. They are having to commit without any official visits. They will not be able to meet face-to-face with their coaches. Um, so that gives BYU an advantage. I really hope that they give them a free transfer without having to sit out because if uh, they, yeah, because it's a joke if they don't. Yeah, there are because it's if you you know when you can't take a visit and can't meet face to face or even get on campus and you have to decide your entire future. I mean, it's already bullcrap that you don't get one free transfer anyway. But it especially now it should should happen. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to pick up. Um, especially just because the clock is ticking when really close to the sign. Yeah, I mean you've seen. Think pieces are moving to get offers out there for guys that are looking, you know, to tighten up classes. So, so I mean, we saw offers go out to Bryson Reeves and Sione Hingongno. We also saw an offer go out to Targi Lamson, who's a running a great running back prospect out of Timview this week. Um, and so, you know, that's you're seeing staffs move on and say it's go time, and you either need to commit and get on board, or we're moving on without you. And moving on to guys who we saw their senior tape now that they've getting it put up and it's, you know, they're trying to push and get commitments and, you know, get on or get out of the way. And so that'll, um, we'll see things pick up in the next couple of weeks. The early signing day obviously is in three weeks and then it's, you know, it'll be go time and getting ready for bowl season. Um, we do have, our picks. Well, before we get to our picks, we do want to remind everyone that is we do have a 50% off sale going on at Cougar Sports Insider. If you'd like to sign up, uh, come join us on the board. It's a good time. Um, and you sign up for the uh, premium account. You can get access to every single team's uh, premium boards to go check in. And it's very entertaining to read the meltdowns that other fans have during games. Uh, so I highly recommend come, come visit us, come sign up join um you know 50 percent off we will have another sale next week as well sometime for black friday so if you don't get this one you will have another opportunity then um but our picks for this week last week you were two and four i was three and three so the um uh which brings us to i'm at 22 and 13 on the season you are 19 and 16 um so our first pick Tulane is a six and a half point road dog to the number 25 tulsa golden hurricane Tulsa. Give me Tulsa. I'm a believer in what they've got going on there. They're playing good football. Tulane is, is feast or famine a little bit. And I, I just like Tulsa. I this, really do. This game is going to be beautiful to watch. So the American athletic conference, I said this or last week's on should be called the American aesthetic conference because oh, yeah. pretty much every school in that league has incredible uniforms and, yeah, and the two lane is a very Tulsa, good thread matchup. It's a very good thread mass matchup. The Tulsa SMU matchup was a very good matchup last week. Um, SMU this, is SMU is awesome, dude. They've, yeah, they they've, might be, they are, I mean, this is off-season content, but they are up there in the, the upper echelon of best jerseys in college football. And just the logo, the classic horse, the Mustang logo is, is it the best logo at college football? It it's might. close if it's not. 
the Tulsa, they usually, they just have their script Tulsa on their helmets and it always look good. And they usually, they do a lot of mixing with like matte helmets with metallic writing of Tulsa or, you know, different. And they do a ton of different colors. Like they got blue helmets, they have white helmets, they have gold helmets, they have black helmets and they mix and match all their different things. They'll have helmets with like their hurricane flags on the side. They'll have helmets or pants with their flags on the side. They'll have pants with their, like with script text down the side they have all sorts of things um tulsa i've always liked tulsa but they you know they are the they're the smallest fbs school by enrollment they only have like 3300 students or something like that um they are a private um they are a religious school they hold chapel every week on campus i think a lot of people don't realize that tulsa is like you know they are a religious school in that they like actively students have to participate in some type of religion you know not like they oh once upon a time we were you know affiliated with this church but you kind of don't have to do any like you can make it as religious or not religious as you want to um you know so i've always been a big tulsa fan i'm i agree i'm taking the golden hurricanes but if you do watch this game you will be enjoyed tulane has a quarterback named michael pratt he's a freshman and that kid is going to be a good player like you watch him now i'm telling you in two to three years he will be Tulane will be a good program in the American and he's going to be getting talked about and getting a lot of buzz when he's an upper class. Here's what I think is that two to three years from now, you'll be talking about him as Miami's quarterback. That's probably a good chance that happens too. Um, but app state is a five and a half point road dog heading down to, um, Conway, South Carolina from Boone to the coastal Carolina Chanticleers. I I am taking Coastal in this. I think they are going to be amped up for this game. And I think they know it's their statement game to try to get in to things. And I mean, there's a very good chance that if, you know, if Cincinnati loses to UCF and drops and then something happens against Tulsa, like I think Coastal Carolina knows they could be, they're very legitimately playing for the G5 spot. And they are, they know that um, they have, what is his, title now um let's see this is not a good thread matchup by the way no no not a good thread matchup it's not a the logo matchup of coastal carolina i don't know who designed their logo but they should have they should have asked any 14 year old what it looked like first um but it is horrific yeah so coastal carolina their former football coach and I think he stayed on and he's in the AD now. And he's like the, oh, he's the chair of athletics. So I think that's different than their athletic director. And he's the executive director of football. And so it's, he's kind of like the CEO, like the off the field CEO of the football program. But the former president of TD Ameritrade was the head football coach at Coastal Carolina, which is the <laughs> most random thing when they started up their program and he came in, they're like, We're, we want to go FBS. He's like, okay. So he comes down and takes them to be a top 25 F- FCS team and then transitions them into being FBS in the Sun Belt. And now he's just an administrator after he had to step away last year. Um, That's funny. But I'm taking Coastal in this one. Uh, uh, I'm going with App. I think this is when the Chanticleer magic runs out a little bit. I just, I've seen Coastal play enough. Like, I think they're a solid team. But I they, they don't have that look like they're going to be a team that runs the table. So I think it ends sure. against App State. The Indiana Hoosiers are a t- top. The number nine Indiana Hoosiers are a 20 and a half point 
road dog heading to the horseshoe in Columbus. You taking the Hoosiers or are you taking the Bucks, the Buckeyes to cover? I, I now I'm gonna say this. I don't think Ohio State is as good as they were last year. Their running game has struggled. Their defense has, has had a couple of holes. I, I'm a big Buckeyes fan ever since I went out there and I went to the horseshoe last year. I, I was wearing an Ohio State hoodie for a large portion of the day today. I am a big Ohio State guy. And I don't think they are as good this year as they were a year ago with J.K. Dobbins. Having said that, I, I know that Indiana has beaten Penn State, Michigan, and Michigan State this year. Uh, I don't know if you've looked at Penn State, Michigan, and Michigan State this year, but they are hot garbage. Hot good. And so this is the this is the week that the magic ends for the Hoosiers. Ohio State wins. They don't win by you know thirty or forty but I think they cover 20 and a half. I think it's a 24 point game. Um, I, yeah, I have to agree with you on that one. I just, I don't see it for Indiana is not a bad team, but they are not number nine and I, Ohio state is going to do Ohio state things. Um, yeah. Yep. Cincinnati is a six point road favorite against central Florida, the UCF Knights. They're going down to the bounce house at um, Spectrum Stadium in Orlando. Are, are, is Florida still allowing, like, basically full stadiums? Yep. Good. Okay. Good. Packed Done. house. You know, Cincinnati has not played. I think they've played one road game this year. Yes. So they have played. So this, I mean, if they're going into a, even if it's only, like, half-packed UCF stadium, a game where UCF is going to want to beat uh, beat Cincinnati because of – I mean, Cincinnati is kind of stealing the thunder that should have been theirs. Uh, this is a game – I might take I, UCF straight up in this. I think I would too. I think Cincinnati ends. And last week, I went two and four. That was my worst week. And it was because I tried to not bet with my heart. We're all Knights fans, friends. And so UCF – UCF and the points, but I, I think I'm with you. Give me the UCF money line because I think they win this one outright. Yeah, it's, I mean, the UCF offense is definitely the best offense. So, I mean, they, Cincinnati, obviously they played FCS to Austin P at home. They played Army at home. They played South Florida at home. They beat SMU on the road. That was their one road game. Beat Memphis at home, beat Houston at home, beat East Carolina at home. UCF is by far, well, the SMU offense is good, but still the UCF offense is better. UCF is by far the best offense that their defense has faced. So it will provide a tough matchup for them on the road. Um, especially if they get some fans in there, it may cause some, you know, may cause some issues for them though. Desmond Ritter has been playing well for the last month. Um, but the UCF I, defense I still is, think is I also hate not. I've confirmed in my head that I, I do. I hate Desmond Ritter. And I'm sorry, Desmond, you did nothing wrong, but something about you. Yeah. Um, so UCF, though, I mean, they've obviously they've lost two games, but they've taken care of business against everybody else. Similarly to Cincinnati, it's just they were on losing. So like Tulsa, they lost 34 to 26, and then they lost when Memphis kicked a last minute field goal. You know that well, actually UCF missed a last chance minute chance to go up, and they lost 50 to 49 to Memphis on the road. Uh, so it's not, you know. UCF is still a good program. They've kind of struggled closing out close games the last 
couple of last two seasons, but I think they get it done at home. Um, Liberty is a three and a half point road underdog to NC state. I am taking the Wolfpack to cover. I don't think Liberty is as good as Liberty thinks they are. Um, I think there's probably some issues going on within that locker room because I think everybody in that building knows that Hugh Freeze has one foot out the door already going to look at P5 jobs for next year, particularly in one Columbia, South Carolina. And the, I think NC State wins by at least a touchdown. Yep, couldn't agree more. And our last game, we have Bedlam. Oklahoma State is a seven-point underdog to Oklahoma. Why do they call it Bedlam? I don't know. Because like I know that's what it is. I've always known that. But I, why? I don't understand. Is um, that like an Oklahoma thing? It refers to the athletic um, to both schools. Um, they play. I'm trying to. See, if anybody knows, just tell yeah, us. There, there is no. Because I don't know. And I'm sure I could look it up, but I I don't know. And so it just says it's named after the wild crowds that would attend the matches. That's stupid. Yeah. Can you think of a dumber origin story than that? No. Like Spider-Man getting bit by a spider and turning into a superhero is less dumb than crazy crowds well and so the all-time um record between the two schools is oklahoma has won 89 times oklahoma has state has won 18 and they've tied seven times so it's not (laughs) even like it's probably the most one-sided named rivalry in the country um how dumb dumb. uh give me ou man i think that the sooners have figured some things out after some early season scuffles and uh they put it together they take the win i'm gonna take oklahoma state in this one just because i can't stand spencer rattler so that is fair man but hey he took out his earrings and he got instantly like he went up i think two notches on the likable scale so i mean that still puts him one notch above Tate Martell. So, yeah, I mean, he's right. still really low, really, really low. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I like OU. I just think, I think Spencer Rattler, as annoying as he is, I think Spencer Rattler is very, very good. He is. Um, so, that those are our picks. So, run them down again. You've got. You're taking Tulsa over Tulane. You have App State. I'm taking Coastal in that game. We're both taking Ohio State, UCF, NC State, and then we differ. You've got the Sooners, and I'm taking the Cowboys. Uh, Look, I got a I got a question for you. Okay. Uh, you've seen the AT AT and T commercials with that girl. Yes. But she's like in the store. Mm-hmm. Do you know who that girl is? Because nobody does, other than the AT and T girl. Her um, name Her name is Milana. Vain Trub. Yeah, she's from like Uzbekistan or something like that. Yep, she that's exactly where she's from. She is from was born in Uzbekistan, came to America forever ago, and is basically an American, but she does have dual citizenship. How much I mean I, I don't know. I, I, we'll talk about it in a minute. What do you think the net worth 
of Milana Vantrub is? I don't know. $10 million. Oh, you think it's that high? I don't know. I'm it's guessing. Four, it's $4 million, but I that was shocking to me. I saw a $4 million. Like, this is a net worth, right? Like, this isn't. This isn't like her salary. Like this is a true net worth. Four million dollars for. She's, in a few commercials. I don't know. I'm like I don't know. Like, want to know what same... you're. I don't want to know what you're looking at to, really spark this at the end of our show here. <laughs> uh, this is. I just got bored, but, I, I I'm I'm shocked, and maybe I shouldn't be. Is our guy is 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 our what is his name Kirby? What the heck is his name Kirby Hayborn? Yeah, like he's been in several commercials. Is his net worth four million dollars? No, not even close. Like I, I I know he hasn't been the face of AT and T, but like he had a run. Like he was in some Target, I think, commercials, and he was in like two or three of them. And I just four million dollars to be the face of AT and T. That seems. Yeah seems absurd yeah i don't see it um i don't know how i hope they're paying that guy who called his mom or whatever in the latest commercial and then it was a random guy named bob i hope he's getting paid too but we had a good show we're gonna i don't know if we'll do a post game show on saturday gonna be honest maybe if they get to 70 we'll do a post game show and talk about it yeah we gotta find a commitment because i'll tell you right now if it's a 52 to 7 game I don't want to talk about it. I just want it to be done. I want it to be over. And the only thing that I want to talk about is the college football playoff rankings that will come out on Tuesday. That's the only thing I'll care about. And we're going to be next week. We will be talking. So we have a bye next week. We'll be talking about those rankings. We will be talking about the basketball schedule and we're going to have a dang good show next week until then, Jeff, give them hell. Give them hell.